Hello and welcome to NGA's podcast on increasing participation in school and trust governance with a specific focus on race. My name's Ronnie Paul and I'm NGA's Head of Advice. I also work on our Equality, Diversity and Inclusion project and I'm joined today by Adelaide Chitanda, one of our Senior Advice Officers who also works on the project and of course our podcast guests who you'll hear from shortly. For this podcast, we wanted to focus the discussion on improving diversity of race on governing boards. The findings of NGA's annual governance survey 2021 show that all ethnic minorities remain significantly and consistently underrepresented on a national level on governing boards. 93% of respondents to the survey were white, 1% were from mixed or multiple ethnic groups, 3% were Asian and 1% were black, with the remainder other or rather not saying. What's striking is that these figures are almost identical to when NGA started to collect this data in 2015. But we know there are many benefits of boards better reflecting communities and society. It's important to celebrate diversity and being inclusive enables organisations to best serve the people they want to make a positive difference to and improves both the perception and practice of the board. We're therefore keen to ensure that boards are equipped to start having these conversations and effect change. I'll therefore pass it over to Adelaide to introduce our guests. Thank you, Rani. So we're pleased to welcome Deborah O'Connor, Hanif Asmel and Keith Dean, who will share with us their thoughts and experiences on the diversity of race on governing boards. Could you all tell us where you govern and your role on the board? Deborah, could I start with you, please? Sure. Uh, nice to be on here. Thank you for the invitation. Um, I am a governor at uh, Balliol Primary School, that's in Bedford Borough, and my role on the governing board uh, currently is safeguarding governor. I was a former chair of governor at a special school also in Bedford Borough. Fantastic. And Hanif? Yes, uh, thank you for the invitation once again. Uh, I'm actually a governor on a county school where I chair the governorship. Uh, in fact, I've chaired it for a number of years and just recently uh, I've actually stepped down uh, because we've, we've, we've combined the schools together and I thought it's about time that somebody else took the role. Uh, I'm also on a mat as a trustee uh, where I actually am on the resource committee. Fantastic. And Keith? Hello. I am Chair of Governors at a secondary school in Buckinghamshire, uh, Sir William Ramsey. And I've been a governor since April last year and took over a role as chair in March this year. Fantastic. So to really get us started, could I get you to share with us your story of how you were recruited? No, I could go first. Thank you. Well, I mean, actually, I've been a governor for the past 20 years. Mm. Uh, I was actually put in as a governor uh, into one of the secondary schools uh, in the city. Uh, my background is teaching, and I've always been a governor since uh, I've been a teacher. And it's been, it's been an amazing experience because you see both sides of the coin. One as a member of staff, the other obviously on a governing body. So, right, and then you can combine the two together. So, uh, having that wide experience has helped a lot. Fantastic. Deborah? 
Sure. Um, I actually came across the ad on LinkedIn, actually, and uh, I seemed to um, tick a lot of the boxes. Uh, my background is actually in financial services, um, held various leadership and management positions, and my last role was in actually compliance. So, um, it, of course, the advert, I was very much drawn to it. So, um, in that respect, so, and um, was invited uh, to uh, attend the, the special school and um, had a nice uh, walk around with the chair of governors, which was which was really nice. She showed me in depth. It was quite revealing uh, the kind of work. Um, I couldn't stop talking about it after I returned home because I was just really impressed with what I saw that that day, and uh, also had the opportunity to meet the head teacher. So yeah, that was the way I was um, um, introduced to the school. Fantastic. And what about you, Keith? Sure. Like Deb, my background is also in financial services. So one of the things I did when I, I guess, put my profile on governance for schools was stress the importance of my ethnicity. And I think the importance of, of bringing that sort of perspective or different perspective uh, to a school. And I think it was one of the things that appealed to the head teacher uh, when she was looking for um, governors and the governing board were looking for governors. Uh, and certainly it's a conversation that we had uh, when I uh, was effectively interviewed. So what we really want to try and hear more about is any examples that you might have where something has happened differently on your on your board because of the diversity that exists within it. Um, Keith, did you have any, any examples? Uh, the simple answer is no in terms of any sort of concrete examples where a different decision or outcome has been achieved because of diversity on the board. What I would say is in one scenario where there was actually a uh, staff disciplinary um, panel, which I was chairing, and this is, was in respect of a ethnic minority uh, staff member, I think the perspective that I brought to the conversation certainly deepened the conversation and brought a slightly different sort of uh, viewpoint into some of the issues that were discussed. I don't think it made any difference to the process or the outcome, uh, but from my own perspective, found it beneficial for the panel just to, I guess, hear a different perspective and, and things that they just wouldn't necessarily ordinarily have thought of. Yeah, because they just haven't experienced some of the things which, you know, black people, ethnic minorities do experience. I would say the other area where I think there's been some sort of benefits really from having some diversity in the board, but also actually just reflecting positively on the way the school think about some of these things is, is around the area of parental engagement. Uh, where we try to have a better understanding of some of the cultural norms and expectations regarding the relationship between, say, school leaders, parents and students, because some of those cultural norms, you know, would differ in different cultures. You know, some some cultures have a lot more respect for school leaders. Uh, some cultures would say, actually, your job is to uh, manage our children, effectively educate our children. I hand them over to you. I don't necessarily have a role to play. Um, 
So actually understanding some of those nuances uh, can influence the way that parental engagement sort of takes place. So having those sort of conversations on the board, you know, can be useful. Um, but I say to, to reflect fairly, I think some of the sort of positive thinking within the school leadership, yeah, they think about those things anyway. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point. It may not be big transformative changes, but it's about just changing the direction of some of the conversations and bringing mm. in other points of view that may otherwise not have been considered. Okay, um, and just um, obviously you've talked a bit about things that um, may have been different on your board, but I were, can you think of any instances and um, where you've thought actually we could have done this better if the board was a bit more diverse? Yes, I, I, I'd like to make a point, Brian. Uh, again, uh, with the experience of different boards that I've been on, uh, having a, a very diverse uh, governing body has been amazing uh, once you manage to get that board because what you start to understand is actually the real community which is the students and also the staff on how they operate. There is a uh, in the city uh, of Leicester, there is an area with, I mean, there is a pretty divided with Hindus, Muslims, and so on. And being on being on a governing board where there is a Muslim community, <clears throat> the the management started uh, and the governing body started realizing that this uh, these pupils have need to have a different uh, approach to on how the management and the school operates because you remember so a, a lot of the, a lot of the pupils went after mosque after uh, school finishes for two hours so they were you know they had a very full day and having a diverse board brought back uh, lots of information on how we can uh, manage the the, the, the actual uh, day for the pupil uh, in, in a better format. So they had that little bit of rest and they had that little bit of uh, time to themselves within the school itself and were not exhausted. So it makes a massive difference uh, you know, within, within these communities when you have that, when, when you have a diverse board and have better understanding. Um, okay, so we, we've talked a bit about the benefits of having a diverse board can be to the actual governing board, um, but can you think of any examples where this has benefited um, not just the governing board, but also your pupils or the pupils' parents, staff, or even the local community? Uh, I could go on this one. Um, I, I know when I used to, uh, at Saint, my previous uh, St John's at the special school, um, I got very um, surprised looks when I first became chair and was doing a lot of walk arounds, um, just walking through corridors or just peeping in on a class, a classroom taking place. Um, um, and both from pupils and staff, and in particular staff, I had many ethnic minority staff members uh, from teaching, from teaching TAs, um, um, even kitchen staff that said, oh, I, I, I didn't know there was a black person on the board. And oh my God, you're the chair. I, I, it's, they're just complete disbelief. Um, so that that was, I think, good. And it's I think it's important that 
you know, your, your board represents, whether it's in an education environment or any other organisational setting, represents as uh, representative of the community. Um, so for, for, for me, that was that was uh, an important um, uh, an important point there. And I think similar to you, I had a, same as you, I had a similar experience when I was recruiting for a head teacher, and we had two Asian females on the head teacher recruitment panel. Um, and one of the candidates actually said to me afterwards, it was really encouraging to see two Asian women on the panel because that's the first time I've seen that. And I was surprised because I just assumed that wouldn't be it the first, um, but it but it was, um, and that was really interesting to hear. <laughs> Um, Keith or Hanif, did you um, have you had any sort of positive experiences in terms of diversity on the board having a positive effect beyond that? A bit like Deb, it is a sentiment that I I felt that um, there was a sense of pride amongst some of the black students and some of the staff you know, when I did walk arounds as well. Um, yeah, they didn't say anything in particular, but you could almost see sort of a gleam in their eye. Um, and therefore, that's why I say it's a sentiment rather than you know, anything sort of evidence-based. Um, I think it's, you know, one of the reasons I applied to be a governor was to make sure that students from, you know, different backgrounds could see people like themselves in senior leadership roles. Yeah, that is really important um and i've come from as i mentioned earlier financial services so been on training courses and being the only black person actually that's part of my history in terms of financial services yeah in terms of being at seminars courses you know whatever and you're the only black face you know it's just yeah nothing new really um but actually almost trying to be it's not been a trailblazer um but to be up there and say and show people this is just what we do like any other person yeah we're not special i'm not special because i'm black and i'm in this role um yeah this is what people do and we're people like everyone else yeah. and and I, and I think even though you said you know there's there's nothing concrete you can actually point to i think if you've changed the perception of one pupil or one members, one member of staff who can say, well, actually, you know, if, if, if we could have a, a chair that is black or a governor that is black, um, it, it makes me think of doors going through doors that otherwise I would not have thought would be open for me. And I think that's really important. It's not always about quant quantitative outcomes. It's about just changing perception, perceptions and maybe aiding the ambitions of certain people as well. Yeah, and, I, and just to, to finish off, I think our head teacher actually helped that because one of the things that she did when I was going around with her in some of the classrooms was says, actually, you know, here's Mr. Dean, he's chair of governors, he's my boss. And you can see some of the children sort of perk up and think, and actually, probably never thought of the head teacher having a boss, mm -hmm. but actually having a black boss, yeah, that's pretty cool. You could see, you, yeah, I can imagine them thinking that. Again, I'm positing ideas in terms of what they may be thinking. I just wanted to add a similar uh, situation being introduced like that as well, but I just wanted to add that I actually sit on the strategic partnership group. That's a group um, 
um, that was um, developed by the local borough here in Bedford. Um, and it's basically a group of governors that support the governors within Bedford. And again, I'm the only, um, I was invited to um, be in, on that group. And again, I'm the only ethnic minority on that group as well. Um, again, not not because I'm some bright spark or anything. Um, I was asked um, by, by the chair because she felt I had some something to contribute. Um, and I'm on there and I, and you know, it's a, it's a pleasure for me to be on there as a black uh, as a as a uh, as a black person as a woman um also again my age group as well because what you find sometimes is that um senior senior governors or governors that have been around a long time are are more on the older end of the spectrum so it's you know being able to be out there and being seen by other governors being a part of this this district this strategic partnership group um that supports bedford borough i think is a is a good way of kind of saying look you can do it too to anybody else that might be out there so uh, that that was important and i, I when i was when i was asked i was was more than happy to participate yeah, and, and I know that um, age of, of governors and trustees is another, um, is something else that does show up in our surveys as not being particularly reflective of community or society as well. Um, Hanif, before we move on, did you want to... Yeah, I, 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 think, I think it's an excellent uh, question. And, and, you know, Keith, Deb, myself, you know, as, as far as I see us, as we're, we're role models. We're role models for other people to come onto the governing body. And if we if we are active and take part within the community, it makes other people want to come forward and say, you know, why can't I do this? Or is there any, is, can you help us to come onto the uh, to, to the board or join a governing body? So, in order to help ensure boards are more reflective of communities and society, it's vital that boards adopt effective recruitment practices. So can you tell us more about how your boards have gone about exploring um, their diversity and the measures um, that you may have implemented to address this? I mean, when I when I joined the board, we had an action plan generally for sort of governance actions to um, make sure that we're an effective organisation. And one of the actions was to increase diversity on the board and to actively recruit to rebalance the board. That wasn't just diversity in terms of race it was also diversity in terms of gender so actually we didn't have enough women on the board and we had no black people on the board until uh i joined um and one of the challenges that i think many boards suffer or face i should say is just recruiting enough governors period yeah let alone their background, different sort of ethnic backgrounds, etc. So I think it's quite a stiff challenge for a board to really decide I need to focus on diversity in terms of recruitment. And then that diversity can be in many forms. You know, so you know, whether it's ethnicity, able-bodied, disabled, etc., gender identity, you know, whatever. Um, just getting governors yeah, is a challenge. You know, it's a challenge I'm facing today. So, you know, my first priority is to get competent governors. I'm not going to worry at this point until I've got some of those competent governors. You know, I haven't got a pool where I'm saying actually all things being equal, I'll choose, you know, someone from a diverse background, yeah, you know, compared to someone else. All things being equal, 
Yeah, that isn't the choice that most, I think, governing boards are faced with. So, yeah, I think we might come on later in terms of, you know, how you tap into a pool of available and willing governors from you know, ethnic minority backgrounds. And that's a slightly separate subject. But actually, in terms of recruitment, yeah, there's a significant challenge in just getting enough governors anyway. Thank you. Deb? I would I would support most, um, in fact, all of what Keith said there. I think there's, there's there was just a general issue around recruitment, um, recruitment of, uh, it doesn't matter what, what level, even the strategic partnership group um, that we're on right now, we're looking at recruitment there, uh, Bethel Leaders of Governance, also on Daily All, where I'm I, um, the safeguarding governor at the moment. Um, we've got vacancies there. Not everybody... Um, although they might be quite competent and have the knowledge and skills to be able to support, have the time um, to do so, um, because it, it does take up time. Um, but I think in terms of how the board drives it, continues to drive it, I think just like anything else that would be key is to um, have it top of mind, have it as an agenda item, um, finding ways of and being maybe being more social, being more um, visible in schools. That was a real um, important thing to me even before I came became chair at the special school. I used to attend, you know, um, you know, fairs and the Christmas party and, you know, just being out there. There as, as parents can see you, the community can see you, pupils can see you, staff, um, and kind of dri driving that message forward. So, um, you know, it, it can't be an afterthought. I think it rolls into succession planning and, um, you know, development of governors. Um, but it is, it is a real tough topic. Um, and as Keith said, it's, it's not, you, you want to get... Um, um, folks that have the um, knowledge, skills, and, and behaviours um, indicative of a governor. Um, that's that's the first challenge alone. Let alone having a diverse board. So, yeah. And just return to your point of um, governors and trustees being more visible. Um, we absolutely agree. And for the past year, we've been running our visible governance campaign because we think it's so. It, it's in order to be able to really recruit the best people what you need to do is ensure that those people know that you exist and what you do and what your role entails um, and so it, it's it, like you say it's really important that you know pupils parents staff the local community are aware that you exist and what you do and the impact that you have on those pupils education Keith sure I'll just add a few things uh, one to the point you were just making Rally about uh, visibility Actually, that's something we're doing right now. So we've got a series of uh, year group um, sort of parent information sessions going on, um, been running this week and a couple um, next week as well. And there's a slot for the governance, actually. And there's two sort of drivers what we're doing. One is to raise the visibility of the governance. And two is to inform the parents actually about the role of the governor and also it's a recruitment drive to get some parent governors on board as well so that visibility i think is really important coming back to your question really around you know what can boards do to sort of drive uh, recruitment so one of the things i think is really important and just drawing on experience from sort of the corporate world it's really about setting targets and having targets which are visible so if you think about 
almost like actually two of the principles really around uh, the Nolan principles around accountability and transparency, but they're important in terms of you know governing boards, boards period, uh, leadership teams, and certain in terms of setting targets. So actually, if you set targets, you know people know that you tend to try and deliver against those targets, particularly if they're visible. So actually, that accountability, which says you know we will set some targets in terms of the diversity of our board. And making those transparent, I think, is one way for boards to actually try and drive recruitment of more diverse members of the board. And that's not just diversity, as I mentioned before, in terms of, you know, visual identity. So I think that's an important tool that we've, we should be using you know, within boards, because in the same way that we would set targets in terms of educational attainment, uh, punctuality, uh, you know, attendance, etc. Why wouldn't you have targets for um, recruitment? You may not meet all those targets, but at least I think it will keep a, a keen focus yeah, beyond just having it as an agenda item in terms of, you know, are we really delivering against those those targets? Um, I just wanted to ask a question just to keep, you know, if you have targets, do you think there's room for maybe some boards to consider it as kind of a tick box exercise? Or do you think there's a way to avo avoid that kind of approach? I think there is a way to avoid that approach. And I certainly think that boards should go beyond tokenism and, and symbolism, because I don't think that is really beneficial. So my starting point would be the board actually having a meaningful conversation around why it's important to have diverse talent on the board because that really should be your starting point actually which is yeah you know, why does this matter now intuitively i think some people will understand that and clearly over the last few years it's been a big topic of conversation anyway so it's been a bit difficult to miss it but I'm not sure there are many organizations, period, uh, let alone school governing boards, that really have a, a meaningful conversation around diversity, reflecting on the benefits that it can bring. Uh, so, you know, using examples of uh, other organizations, other schools, you know, where they've got diverse boards and where it's really brought some benefit, you know, reflecting the community clearly is one of the obvious reasons why the, why you would do that um but you'd also really want to look at you know is it really does a diverse board bring you know, better outcomes better decision making etc and you know my perspective has always been i'm not going to sit on the side moaning mm -hmm. i'm going to get in there and do something okay and you know I want my fellow you know, ethnic minority citizens to come on the journey with me. I can't make them. It's a volunteer role. It's got all the challenges, which we talked about earlier, why you can't get, why you struggle to get volunteers anyway. But that's an important part as well. Fantastic. Thank you. So just could I add, um, I think one of the major obstacles, which was, is reflective in the results that um, 
word that you receive from the survey is um you know the issue the issue of unconscious bias and the majority of our chairs no matter pretty much which part in, in which part of the country you're in are um mature or older white and no i'm not saying in all cases but that they may not see it as much of a priori- priority um, to be having diverse boards. We've got bums on the chairs, we've got people turning up, we've got enough for a quorum, that's that's their priority. So I think, and, and it's not, this is not unique to the education sector or volunteering as a, as a, as a you know, as a, as a governor, it's, it's, it's a, a problem that's being faced right, right across um, organisations wherever. But I think if we're talking about obstacles, I think unconscious bias is certainly that um, there is not, um, there is often a wall that goes up when that type of even training session is conducted and so if we're really talking about obstacles I think that's that's one of the ones that really has to be looked at and how we can kind of bring that the 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 because the the majority group kind of getting involved in this it shouldn't be just the minority groups trying to recruit one another it it's it's supposed to be a, a team effort and mainly I would argue um, the majority group that needs to be having us at the forefront and kind of driving it also probably even more so um, uh, gender equality is not a, just 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 a woman's problem right it's the men out there that hold positions of power that need to be driving this so it's the same same kind of rationale so I think if we're talking about obstacles I think that's that's one of the ones we we that needs to be addressed how not sure but certainly it's um something that should, should be given due consideration I think um so we do know that three and four boards that have tried to recruit volunteers from ethnic minorities have been successful but we're also aware that some boards are reluctant to have the conversation relating to race for fear of cause and offence. Um, how do you think boards can start these conversations? I, I think by by engaging uh, not just the head teacher, but the senior leadership team as to how they um, um, they managed a diverse group of, 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 stu- of the student population. I think that's a good start. Um, you know, I, I know, I know race diversity, um, is a, is a, sometimes can be a very sensitive topic and has to be often, um, you know, uh, managed, managed well, but I think why not, why not include, um, kind of the experts in the school that are dealing with diverse pupils, diverse staff, uh, a diverse staff population um, on a day-to-day basis and get their insight. Um, but I think fundamentally getting getting that senior leadership team, um, inviting them to a board meeting and saying, look, we, we've got this issue. It's, your, it's our school and we, we want to do better how do you propose this because you're the ones dealing with it on a day-to-day basis no too dissimilar to if it was another topic whether it was curriculum or you know something else um send or whatever in 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 the school we would rely on the expertise of the senior leadership team particular of of the staff so I, i think that's personally a good place to start
Now, this is really interesting. I've, I've always found this really interesting because we as ethnic minorities do not find it sensitive to approach white people and white boards. We might find it daunting because they'll say, who are these people? But we don't find Whereas when it comes to white people, they find it extremely sensitive. And, you know, this has been actually said to me many a time. And if what do I say? How do I approach this? Thank you. And Keith, just before I hand over back to Adelaide, did you want to um, add anything? I'll say for my personal experience, it's not really an issue. So within our Academy Trust, we have a pretty diverse cohort of students anyway. So I would guess something like roughly 50% of the students are white British. So by definition, around 50% are not. So conversations at, at uh, leadership level around diversity in terms of diversity of, um, of the staff, etc., are commonplace. And we've got an enlightened leadership team. And I think we've got a fairly enlightened uh, governing board as well. So the question I think is, you know, outside of that sort of scenario uh, where we're fairly comfortable with those conversations, you know, how would you tackle that? I would probably come back to the, the point I made earlier about having a really meaningful conversation around why you should seek to have diverse talent and understanding the benefits that that would bring. And that would be the starting point. So you look at actually, why do I want to do this? I want to do this because it's going to give me better outcomes. Yeah, if you start from a position, well, you have to do it because that's the way the world is going. Well, you can get there, but that doesn't really allow governments to invest themselves in trying to deliver those sorts of results. So that's where I would come at it from, which is, you know, partly it's, you know, the way my mind works, which is sort of analytical, logical, um, you know, you don't necessarily come in it from an emotional perspective. Um, although you can overlay some emotion because you just need to figure out actually how to influence people and tapping into, you know, what's going to sort of flick their switch in terms of um, sort of triggering their interest and, and figuring out, you know, why they're going to do something different. Um, but it really depends on the scenario that you're in. You know, if you're in a rural area with not particularly a diverse community, then is it particularly an issue? Actually, you probably shouldn't worry about it too much because your pool of diverse governors is going to be pretty limited anyway. So it, to a certain extent, it's got to be horses for courses, I think. Yeah, I think it is very dependent on the individual circumstances mm. of the school. And it's something that we've discussed in other forums. Um, and I absolutely take the point if you're not in a very diverse area and your student body is not terribly diverse, um, there's less of an incentive sometimes. But I think what some of our members have said that actually in those instances, there's maybe more of, of an incentive because those children will leave that school and leave that area and they need to be able to work within a in, within the, sort of the, the global community. Thanks, Rani. So we've heard a lot about recruitment and what boards can do to get this right. 
So what we know is that volunteers from ethnic minorities are less likely to feel that their opinion is valued by their board and are less likely to feel invited to participate in discussions. So with that being said, and I think this was touched on a little bit in the very beginning, um, what I kind of wanted to get an idea of is how comfortable were you making in making contributions in meetings when you first started governing and in hindsight what do you think could have been done to help you <laughs> okay <cough>. um, <laughs> very confident in making contributions i uh, the way i look at this is this isn't an issue in my mind about race about race yeah it's an issue in terms of how you support new governors period okay yeah because ethnic minority governors all are no more or less confident than other governors in my experience yeah we're all individuals we all come with different backgrounds experiences levels of confidence you know and as a manager you have different intervention strategies for different people for different scenarios and that's what you need to do so i wouldn't treat an ethnic minority new governor any differently personally to any other governor you know i'd figure out actually what support do you need um you know you need to assess what's their level of confidence etc what are their strong points actually give them some opportunities to maybe make some contributions in areas where they they do know something about they're all tactics and strategies i think that you would apply to any new governor so essentially what you're saying is more about the you know individual personality and in terms of support it's just necessarily what all governors need as opposed to what yeah it may depend on your background so i've come from a background of chairing meetings being in sort of senior leadership, et cetera, yeah, understand data, um, not afraid to challenge. Mm -hmm. So for me, yeah, this was no big deal. Yeah. But for other people, you know, who may be very talented in their own field, but just yeah, may never chair a, a committee, except, you know. So that's what I say, you just have different intervention strategies for different people, in my mind. Absolutely. Deb, have you got anything you wanted to add? Yeah, pre pre pretty much ditto on all of what Keith said there. Um, when I when I when I joined the the board initially, um, never uh, felt comfortable from day one. Um, and I think again that comes from my personality, but also my background, um, particularly my last role, but just generally my leadership and management positions within financial services. That's that, that's what you do, and um, so I just use those skills and transfer mm. them to to this 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 setting. I think though also what helped both there and the board that I'm on now as um, trustee as well as well as the strategic partnership group is being included being invited um so much so that sometimes if i'm quiet everybody's looking at me and saying well okay deb hasn't said anything you almost look, look kind of looking to you to be contributing so um i think 
um, for for me, I've never felt that my um, my contribution um, or suggestions were not valued. I've also I've always felt felt valued. Um, but as as Keith quite rightly said, to to be treated different differently because I'm an ethnic minority, I would actually be, feel quite uncomfortable with that. Um, because everybody comes with a, a level of confidence, competence. Mm-hmm. Everybody comes with different skills and, and, and knowledge to bring to the table. It's a matter of drawing that out and that and where it needs to be developed. Um, currently, we've got that situation at, at um, Balliol right now where, you know, they're professionals in their own right, but just are not um, maybe as as confident in, in a governance setting. Um, so it, it's a matter of supporting them in whatever they need, whether whether it's at a board level or a borough level through training and what have you. So, yeah, I, I echo a lot of what, um, from majority of what Keith said. Fantastic. I think overall, it's really encouraging to hear that, you know, for the, for the most part, you had very positive experiences in this regard, because, you know, some of our participants in the research that we carried out, you know, didn't necessarily have those experiences, um, which is why we're kind of interested to find out, obviously, what your experiences are and what you think would be helpful. But I also do agree with the the idea that, you know, support should be very much based on your needs and not just your race, uh, which makes um, absolute sense. Um, But looking beyond a governor or trustee's first time um, governing in a particular setting, how do you think they can be encouraged to continue to govern within the sector so that they can benefit other other settings with their skills and their experience? What do you think would be helpful in ensuring that people, you know, even if they leave one setting, they continue to govern um, and share their skills and experience? You talk about that. It's a really interesting uh, point you've made there. Because as chair, I've, I've, had, I've been in many situations where people have had to, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about skilled people, mm-hmm. and obviously who have been contributing well to the governing body, who come to me and say, you know, if I need to, you know, I need to leave the governing body. I've done my term and it's been a hard task to ask them to retain and obviously uh, <clears throat> I've managed it on a few occasions and said uh, of, of, after, the, after the conversation I've had with them and they've stayed on for another term or so uh, so you know and I've, you know in that same conversation if they feel that after the second term or whatever they want to still leave Right, the conversation would be that you know don't leave it at this stage, right? I can understand what your circumstances, but you obviously people like you we we want back on, not just this board, maybe another board or whatever. Keep yourself involved in the in 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 governorship because you know the contribution is very uh, valid to uh, governance. Absolutely, Deb. Did you want to say something? Yeah, I, I, I support uh, uh, Hanif's uh, comments there. I think some some type of exit interview, if you like, um, just an informal thanks thanks for your contribution kind of thing. Was there anything we could have done better, or are you think is this a just a um, a short break? Are you going to come back to it? Do you like governance at all? Is you know just just kind of those questions, and I think um, it's it, it kind of as Hanif has obviously been quite good at convincing governors to stay on. If <laughs> well, well, 
well done for that. <laughs> um, so I think, I think, you know, showing that interest because oftentimes, uh, you know, individuals leave for different reasons. And if that is not explored, potentially you could be looking at really good talent leaving the, you know, the governance volunteering pool um, that could be used elsewhere. I think that's that's really uh, an important part of retention. And if you're as good as uh, Hanif, then you might even just convince them to stay. <laughs> no, I think I definitely agree with the the idea of an exit interview because I do think it's good to have some kind of data or information that, as a board, you can look back at and kind of you know see, like you said, like how could we improve? And when you go out to recruit the next time, you at least have something that is based on you know past governors that you can kind of say, well, last time we didn't do this, so we need to make sure we do x y and z and I, I do think it's always good to have that kind of feedback um Keith did you have any kind of um thoughts on on what could be done to encourage individuals to stay within the sector the only thing I would add to what's already been said is I don't think most chairs care I think we're quite parochial so I think there may, needs to be a little bit of reality, in my view, mm -hmm. which says, actually, my immediate problem is, damn, you've left as a governor. I need to replace you. Mm -hmm. I'm not really thinking about, ah, you'd really be good for that school. Well, I've got no idea whether that school really needs another governor or not. So I don't want to bring a bit of a down on this. But in terms of keeping people in the sector, to be honest, I'm not sure people are. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't think like this. Mm -hmm. I suspect we don't think like that. I think uh, Keith, it's not. I think it's not a matter of caring. I think it's a matter of retention of your governing body. I think it's more having a full governing body or part of a full governing body there, because it just becomes ineffective. Yeah, I absolutely agree in terms of keeping them within your school. Absolutely, but you know, once they've made that decision that you know, I've had enough for whatever reason I'm moving on, then I'm not sure chairs are that bothered about they staying in the sector. I, I would agree with you there, definitely. Yeah, I think there's two scenarios where you'll be having the conversation of people leaving. And I think the first one is if someone's leaving and they've got their own reasons, then then that's fine. And I don't think that, you know, unless you're Hanif, you could probably change someone's mind. Um, but I think um, it's important when obviously if you if you've served maybe your two terms and you're following best practice and you think well actually I've done as much as I can in this school and um, what can I do then I think there's definitely an argument to say well maybe they should try and be persuaded to think about a different setting um so I, I don't think it's necessarily trying to change people's minds about leaving if they've got their own reasons but it's maybe about just trying to keep that sort of governance um pool as wide as possible um, and also, I think from a from a neighbouring school's perspective, it's really great if you get somebody who has some experience, because we know from NG, from our work at NGA that there are governing boards that struggle to recruit to chairs or vice chairs. And I think some of the advice we give is, is there a neighbouring school vice chair that would potentially look to come over to your school? So I think there's definitely um, an argument to try and keep people governing within the sector. But I absolutely get Keith's point that if somebody's leaving you in the lurch, um, your first thought isn't necessarily, please stay in the sector. It's probably more, oh, how am I go now going to fill that particular vacancy? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, <laughs> I agree with that. And I think if, we, if you're looking at it, 
generally speaking, yeah, that would be true, I think. But if you're looking at underrepresented groups that we're having a tough time to recruit in the first place, we get them and then we lose them, I think an opportunity to find out um, why they're leaving, I I, th- I think wouldn't harm it. It doesn't have to be a big panel discussion. It could be, you know, thanks for your con- five minutes. Thanks for your contribution. You've been great while you've been here. Was there anything we could do better? Boom, you're off the call. You know, and you don't have to be convincing them or tying to tying them to the chair, perhaps <laughs> as Eve would. But you're just try- particularly if you're, we're talking about underrepresented groups where we're having such a tough time getting them on boards in the first place. Absolutely. Well, we are coming close to the end of the podcast, but before we finish, I wanted to give you guys an opportunity to share with us and our listeners some of your tips that you think has the biggest impact on diversity on boards. I don't think I've got any great tips. I would say role model identification and promotion is really important. So... As we know, generally, if you can't see people doing you know, a job that you might want to aspire to, you might even know that you want to aspire to, then you won't aspire to it. I think promotion of the role and how to become a governor is also important. And there could be a lot more done about that. Uh, and in the same way that you would think about you know, how you promote a product or a service, you really got to think about, you know, how you reach audiences. So I don't think there's been enough done about that to really understand the target audiences and the way to tap into those target audiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, targets and accountability I've talked about earlier as well. And coming back to sort of the base level, understanding why diversity is really important and just a broader understanding of diversity. So, you know, if you, you extend this sort of discussion beyond sort of race, mm-hmm. you know, understanding, you know, you look at sort of social identities, experience, expertise, they're the sort of things that we should be looking at in terms of, you know, that what you bring to the table. So actually, if you just broaden, you know, the, the thinking around diversity in terms of your social backgrounds, your socioeconomic backgrounds, etc., they're important as well, as well as things like gender, uh, gender identification um, and non-visible um, you know, disabilities as well. Mm-hmm. No, that, that's a really good point because we do talk a lot also about diversity of thought, um, mm. which is also very important because, you know, not like you said, not everybody is the same. Everyone's got different experiences, backgrounds and skills. So regardless of, you know, kind of visible um, similarities there are other differences that you know could definitely be very beneficial to board so definitely agree with that um deb have you got any tips um when you have a diverse board and 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 staff and and children see that um that there are different voices um whether you you know you you come from a you know a one university as someone a bit further down the pool in terms of university rankings or from different from different backgrounds i think people like to be represented 
and when you're represented and represented and can see somebody you can see yourself in somebody you're kind of inclined to maybe make a bit more of an effort you might not become exactly like that person but you you would be more inclined to make a bit more of an effort um in in terms of what your goals and ambitions are um i had it when i you know was i I taught briefly in the um further education sector and you know it was this look of you know, you, you you saw it on the faces of ethnic minorities when when they walked in the room and they realised that I was the lecturer. They were like, almost taken aback. So you know, and it's it's almost in their effort to be engaged in the classroom was almost heightened because it was it was somebody that they could kind of relate to. So I think, you know, diversity has many benefits um whether you're the, whether you're in the majority group or you're in the minority group i think it has a lot of benefits it's trying to get that message out there that we all have something to bring to the table no matter what background that we come to and uh, come from and um you know how we go about doing that and, and getting everybody involved is you know is 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 the is the big question and probably topic how we do it is probably at the topic for, topic for another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. Um, Hanif, have you got any thoughts? Yeah, I think I think it's extremely important to our listeners that you have a very uh, a diverse board because the contribution that you want from them when they're looking at data, when they're looking at safeguarding policy, when they're looking at the curriculum the amount of information that they can bring back to your uh, board and then put it into uh, the the management of the school will be extremely helpful. I can remember a situation where an organization, when I was applying for it, they actually said that the color of my uh, skin would not suit the board. I actually had that thrown at me at one point. I still went for the position. And by the time I finished, they actually said that it's the real best chairman we've ever had. Right? Because the contribution that was being made yeah. by a diverse person. And they just did not realise how much a diverse person can bring mm-hmm. right, uh, to the board. So it's very important because a diverse person will have the thinking in a different manner from what the normal white person will have for that particular, especially if the school is 50-50 in composition or even if it's less, right? Because they can, I mean, many a times there's a question asked on a board, why are the ethnic minorities doing well in school, in our school, than uh, the white people or the white, uh, white children? And these people can give the feedback, this is, what, this is the extra bits we do with our children, this is what we do, this is what we do. This is a, so basically it then feeds back to the, 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 <clears throat> the whole community for them to benefit. So it's very, very important. Right? I would suggest to, I mean, if they can find them, grab them. Fantastic. Thank you. And I feel like that chimes in um, very well with kind of Keith's point about, you know, diversity of thought, which, you know, I think is also very important. Um, But that does bring us to the end of this podcast. 
and we want to say thank you for sharing your experiences and giving our listeners lots to take away and think about this is a subject that is that NGA is very passionate about and we value we know how much our members value practical advice and guidance and I'm pretty sure there's a lot for them to kind of you know think about and and act on where possible and for our listeners uh, for those of you that haven't had an opportunity to have a read of our research report which is called increasing participation in school and trust guidance I suggest that you do Uh, the report focuses on recruitment and retention through the lens of the experiences and views of governors and trustees from underrepresented groups thank you all once again and goodbye thank you for having us thank Thank you you. yeah thanks for the opportunity Thank thank you guys Bye.